Before we leave the book of Daniel, I want to circle back to chapter 3 and look at the underlying truth to this book. I think most of us, when we first think of Daniel, we think of the three Hebrew children that by the time they got to the furnace, you remember, were the three middle-aged men. And we think of Daniel in the lion's den. And we think, well, the lesson of the book of Daniel is God's going to deliver you out of whatever issue you have. Everything's going to be great. Well, I would suggest if you've not yet listened to those sermons, that maybe even before we go further today, you would push pause on this week and go back and listen to Daniel chapter 3, Faith for the Fiery Furnace, and the sermons from Daniel 6, Faith from the Lion's Den, because it's important and that will give you the context for our lesson today. But the main lesson from the book of Daniel is not God's going to get you out of every trouble you're in. We would think that that's what it was. But not everybody gets that deliverance. I want to remind you of the passage in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 is the great faith chapter. And it goes through all of the great heroes of faith. And then in the middle of verse 35, the writer says, And there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. That doesn't sound like deliverance, does it? They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. And it says, verse 39, they were commended for their faith. So don't take away from the book of Daniel the idea that every time you're in a trouble, everything's going to work out great right now because it doesn't always happen that way. Daniel is not about fiery furnaces and lion's den. It's about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego's commitment to God. It was their commitment to God that led to the fiery furnace. It was Daniel's commitment to God that led to the lion's den. It was their commitment to stay true to God and their faith in him. And so I felt it was important to circle back to this because we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about how to develop that kind of commitment to help you be a positive influence in a negative world. Now, the first few minutes is going to be a review uh, from what we'd studied earlier uh, in our study of the book of Daniel. And we said to you that fiery furnace moments will come. Peter says in 1 Peter 4, don't be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. There are going to be times that we go through challenges. There are going to be times you're going to face tests and trials in your life, don't be surprised. Somebody said, instead of saying, why me? We ought to be saying, well, why not me? You know, so just fiery moments are going to come. And those trials often come when we are already weakened. The, the tests and trials that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through were when they were in Babylon. They were away from their family. 
They hadn't been to temple to worship in a long time. They hadn't had a rabbi that they could talk to. They were kind of on their own. And that's when the devil attacks. He doesn't play fair. He attacks when we're the weakest. Understand that. And understand that the hottest fire is in the area that are, is closest to us. The things that keep you up at night. Those things that are the closest to you. For them and for us, what should be closest to us is our faith in God, our commitment to him. And then we talked about how this started in chapter 1. Remember that Daniel had purposed in his heart he would not eat the meat from the king's table. There was a, a, a guy in charge of all of these people that Nebuchadnezzar had brought back to Babylon to indoctrinate in the Babylonian way of life so that he could take the best and brightest of Israel and use them in his empire. And they were going to be fed from the king's kitchen. But much of the food that came from there was off limits as far as the Jewish dietary law went. And so this issue of food was actually a religious issue with these young men. And so they asked for an excuse. Could you please not make us eat? And because God showed favor to them with the man who was in charge, they were able to be exempt. So we learned from that that faith is grown and developed. It started off with the meat offered to idols and the other food from the Babylonians, and then you end up with a fiery furnace, and then you end up with a lion's den. Faith for the fiery furnace is developed one degree at a time. And when we first studied this from Daniel chapter 1, I said to you, the tests and trials that you're going through are preparations for bigger tests and trials. And that's true. You know, God grows us and develops us. I remember when Brian was coaching high school football, he had a very uh, strategically thought out plan for how he was going to schedule his team, not just this season, but then the next season and the next season. As they grew and developed, he would schedule tougher teams so that they could continue to grow and develop. You know, the, the little things that you go through lead you to be able to go through bigger things. But this week, as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, that's really a negative way to look at things. You know, the tests and trials you're going through are to prepare you for more tests and trials. Well, that's kind of a negative way of looking at things. Why don't we put it this way? The tests and the trials that we're going through are to prepare us for greater opportunities and greater ministry. God is preparing us through the challenges that we face for greater opportunities, for more opportunities for ministry and impact and influence. When you read the end of Daniel 3, it says that the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When you get to the end of Daniel 6 and the lion's den, it says Daniel prospered. The, the challenges that we go through in our lives are to prepare us for greater opportunities, for deeper ministry, for broader ministry. So be positive. What I'm going through right now is preparing me for something greater. Uh, there's a saying, you've got to go through it to get to it. And that's kind of what we're saying today. But we 
emphasized over and over and will again today to make up your mind ahead of time. The three Hebrew middle-aged men did not decide when the statue was built whether or not they were going to bow to it. They had decided that long ago when they had decided they would be true to their faith and they would not bow down to an idol. Commitment begins before you're faced with a decision. The battle is won before the battle is begun. But the bottom line is we need to stay true to God regardless of how it ends up. And maybe the most important verses in the book of Daniel are chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. When the king says, if you don't bow to this idol, you're going to end up in the furnace. And they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you set up. Even if he doesn't deliver me. I know he's able to. I know that you've got a furnace and you've got the authority to throw me in the furnace because faith does not deny reality. But you need to know, King, that even if we die in that furnace, we're not going to bow down to your God. We're going to do right regardless. And we need to reach a point in our lives where we make that commitment to God. With your help, I'm going to do right regardless. And when we end up in the fire, you remember there was the fourth man in the fire. God will walk with us through the fire. So that's just kind of a, a review of several weeks ago when we were in Daniel 1 and Daniel 3. But I go back to where I started. The lesson from Daniel is not God's going to deliver me every time I get in trouble. The lesson from Daniel is I need to make a commitment to God that I'm going to be true to him regardless. And so we're going to talk about commitment today. You know, that was just the introduction. There are some important things to understand about commitment just in general. You can only commit to so many things. You can end up being overcommitted. Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you said yes to too many things and basically you weren't able to be committed to anything? <laughs> which led to you felt like you needed to be committed, you know, because it was just too much to do and you'd said yes to too many things. You've heard it, I'm sure. You have to say no to some things so that you can say yes to other things. And as you grow in your life, you've learned this in the business world. You've probably learned this in your own personal life that there comes a point, you're not saying no to bad things. There comes a point where you have to say no to even good and better things so that you can say yes to the best things. And that's been said by a lot of people. I, I saw that uh, Steve Jobs said something similar to that uh, in his life. You've got to say no to some things so that you can say yes to the very best things. You have to make a wise decision when it comes to commitment. What will you be committed to? Now, as you try to decide where your commitment needs to be, you need to get as many facts as you can before you make the commitment. 
Have you ever had somebody said, could you do this for me? It's just a real simple thing. And you said, sure. And you just off the cuff immediately made a commitment. And then you got into it and you found it. Oh my, this is a whole lot different than what they said it was going to be. Get all the facts you can, because there are times when you shouldn't commit. You shouldn't commit to something when you don't have the necessary resources or the necessary talents or abilities or the time, or maybe the timing is wrong. I would like to do that, but I can't do it now. And we need to understand that there are times when it's okay to say no. And you need to know what the cost of that commitment's going to be. How much time is involved? How much energy is it going to require? Is it going to require financial involvement on my part? Commitment does cost something. So you need to be your own investigator to make sure you know, if I make this commitment, what is the cost of it going to be? And am I willing to pay that? And get the facts. Some of you have heard me tell this story. Uh, earlier in my ministry, I had a call from a church to ask me if I would be interested in being their pastor. And I knew the pastor who had just left the church. And, and just in case anybody is ever in that situation, the best way to find out about a church is call the guy that just left it. You know, <laughs> Say, what is that place really like? And, and so, you know, we were acquaintances. And so I called him and, and I said, what's it like? He said, oh, man, Ken, they'll kill you. He said, I'm at the office till 9 or 10 o'clock every night. He said, they will just run you ragged. Now, well, I'm not interested in that. I've got small children. I've got a wife at home. I'm not interested in being at the office till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. But then I thought, you know, maybe I should call the church secretary because she probably has some insight on this too. And so I called her and I said, Pastor says he's there till 9 or 10 o'clock every night. And she kind of snorted and, and she said, yeah, he is. She said, he comes in about 8 and um, has meets with the staff in the morning. And then he goes, we've got a restaurant next door. And he goes next door for breakfast. And he hangs out there and drinks coffee and chats with all the retirees in the neighborhood till about 11. And then he comes back to the office about 11. And then he leaves at 11.30 for lunch. And he goes to another one of the restaurants in town where there's another group that he hangs out with. And he gets back to the office about three. So yeah, he's often here till nine o'clock at night, but it ain't cause he's working all day long. You know, I said, okay, those were facts that I needed to know. I ended up moving to that church and there were very, very few nights that I was there till nine or 10 o'clock at night. And if it was, it was because it was a meeting or something going on. So, but, but what I'm saying to that, and it was a lesson that I learned that time, get the facts. Before you just automatically say yes to a commitment, find out what it's going to cost you. And if you're still there in chapter 3, and I won't take the time to read this, you're probably familiar with the story. When you make a commitment, unbelievers will notice it. You know, the, the, you remember the Nebuchadnezzar built this great idol and he said to everybody, when the music plays, everybody has to bow down. Well, when everybody is bowing down and you're standing up, people are going to notice. And the unbelievers will notice your commitment. And they run and tattle because they will also get angry with you. 
And they went to the king and said, you said everybody had to bow. These people don't bow. When you make a commitment to live for God, the devil is not going to send you a text that says, congratulations, you're living for God. You're going to find that the enemy of your soul will be angry with you, will ridicule you. People that you thought were your friends, when you make a commitment to start living for God, you're going to get all kind of pushback and ridicule. Just expect it. It's going to happen. And they will question your commitment. They go into the king and the king says, is this true? Did you really make the decision that you're going to stay standing up? And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 3, be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies in you. Which leads me to say, make sure that you've got a good biblical reason for the commitments you make so that when people ask you the reason, you can give them a good answer because they will question your commitment and they will test your commitment. Your commitment will be tested. The king said, basically, I'll give you another chance. And you'll find as you make a commitment to God that you'll be given a lot of opportunities to back up on that. You need to make up your mind, I'm going to live for God regardless. One of the great theologians of a few years ago, Dr. Seuss, wrote about a man named Zode. Did I ever tell you about the young Zode who came to a sign at the fork of the road? He looked one way and the other way too. The Zode had to make up his mind what to do. Well, the Zode scratched his head and his chin and his pants, and he said to himself, I'll be taking a chance. If I go to place one, that place may be hot. So how will I know if I like it or not? On the other hand, though, I'll feel such a fool if I go to place two and find it's too cool. In that place, I may catch a chill and turn blue. So place one may be best and not place two. Play safe, cried the Zode. I'll play safe. I'm no dunce. I'll simply start off to both places at once. And that's how the Zode, who would not take a chance, would no place at all with a split in his pants. <laughs> There's a lot of people trying to live like that. One foot in the world, one foot serving God, you go no place at all. James put it a little more theologically when he said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Make your commitment to God. Say, Lord, I'm going to serve you, period. I'm going to serve you regardless. So how do we develop the kind of commitment that will allow us to be a positive influence in our world. Well, we've already hit on this, and that is you develop your commitment a step at a time. Commitment begins in the smaller areas. It started off in chapter one with the meat and the food that they were offered from the Babylonian kitchen. Start in the smaller areas. And last week we talked about prayer. And, and, and just let me throw out something here. You may feel a conviction in your life that, you know, I need to spend more time with God. And if basically your prayer life right now is God is great, God is good, and now I lay me down to sleep, don't make a commitment that you're going to spend an hour a day in prayer. 
uh, you know, it, it's, that's unrealistic. <laughs> I remember uh, I was at a, a Christian high school. It was a boarding school. And uh, I don't know what year I was, but we were going to have school-wide a 24-hour prayer chain. I think we we're coming up to a special service or something. And so they blocked off, you know, 30-minute segments for 24 hours that you could sign up that you would pray during that time. And I was even back then, I was smart. And I chose a time when I was already going to be awake. <laughs> I was not going to sign up for 2 to 2.30 a.m. You know, I, I'm going to sign up for when I'm already awake. And I signed up for my 30 minutes. And it was time for my 30 minutes to start. I prayed, and, and I'm not exaggerating. I prayed for everybody I knew by name. Everybody I could think that I'd ever met that I knew that I prayed for them by name. Surely my 30 minutes is up. Oh no, it'd been like 12 minutes. <laughs> oh, those people got prayed for a lot in those 30 minutes, but it was a good lesson for me. You know, don't jump from five minutes to 30 minutes. You know, start small. And if you're not accustomed to spending time with God, you might want to start with, you know, a chapter or two reading in the Psalms or Proverbs. We just spent on what, two years studying Proverbs. We're Lord willing, next week we're going to begin Colossians. Maybe you want to start reading in Colossians in preparation for that. And just say, I'm going to spend five minutes reading the Bible and praying. And then, you know, build on that as you build. But it starts small. But again, as we said earlier, settle the issue before it becomes an issue. Don't wait until you get in the heat of the moment to decide how you're going to live. Don't wait until you get the heat of the moment to decide what your morality is going to be, what your integrity is going to be, what your ethics are going to be. Make up that decision ahead of time because commitment is the result of choice, not chance. And as I've said already repeatedly, determine that you're going to obey God regardless of the outcome. Now, in order to do that, you have to keep your focus on God. Maybe you've heard, focus on what you want to be, not on what you don't want to be. I know people who were not raised in healthy homes and whose parents were abusive, and they determined, I am not going to be like that when I have kids. And they have children, and all they do is spend all their focus on, I'm not going to be like that, I'm not going to be like that. And they end up being like that. Because you end up becoming what you're focused on. And the three Hebrew children, if you study this, and Daniel, they weren't focused on, I'm not going to bow to the idol. I'm not going to bow to the idol. They focused on, I'm going to stay true to God. And it's important to keep your focus on God. It's like, why in the world, if you decide you're going to be on a diet, would you even turn in to the hot now sign? You know, why would you even get in the car line at the Krispy Kreme? Yeah, well, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to buy a dozen of the hot fresh now, and I'm going to take them home just to prove how strong I am. Yeah, right. 
you're going to lose that, what, 100% of the time? You know, keep your focus on God. Keep your focus on what I want, not what I don't want. Lord, I'm committed to you. I'm not going to worry so much about this idol. That's not the issue. The issue, God, is you, my commitment to you. Because if you keep focusing on what, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, and before long you got all that sticky stuff all over your fingers, and you wonder, how did that happen? Focus on God. I, uh, I, I read this as I was working on this lesson. Uh, in the early days of vehicles with GPS, I mean, that, that, that just blows my mind. I remember the first time I went over to where Brian is now living and you know and I had the GPS on my phone I think and and it was like in a hundred yards turn left how do you know where I am you know it just still staggers my mind how do you know and it is a hundred yards turn left get in the middle lane because you will need to how do you know this stuff well, in the early days, I heard this story from the early days. A lady bought a new car that had all of those high-end options. And the first time that she drove the car in the rain, she turned a knob that she thought was going to turn on the windshield wipers. Instead, a message flashed across her instrument panel, drive the car in 360 degrees. She said what I said, what in the world have I done? I need to go home now. She got home, got out the manual, and found out that the knob that she turned, that she thought was turning on the wipers, was actually turning off the internal compass of the car. So the car had no idea where it was. And so to correct the problem, you had to drive the car in a full circle, point it north, and then reset the internal compass. Now, there's a parable there. Every time you read the Bible, every time you pray, every time you gather for worship, you are resetting your internal compass. Every time we connect with God, we're resetting our direction resetting our compass. Focus on Him. If you're going to stand when the heat's on, you've got to stay focused on God. Third, if you're going to develop the commitment to make a difference in our world, you need to develop friendships with people who share your commitment. You know, in, in physical fitness, they talk about the buddy system. There's data out there that indicates that people who work out with a partner are more successful than people who try to do it by themselves. Develop friendships with people who share your commitment. The same thing is true with your faith. Do your close friends share your commitment to God? Ecclesiastes says two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And I know that we're in a, the pandemic and all this kind of stuff. But there are still ways that you can find friends who share your convictions. 
who share your commitment to God. That's why it's important to come to church, to build those relationships with people who help keep you on track. And you know that that's true. If you're dieting, it's a whole lot easier to diet when you've got other people who are dieting with you. It's very, very difficult. You know, when, when Donna uh, was on a diet and I wasn't, you know, it's hard because she wants to cook a certain way and I want to eat another way, you know. But, you know, but if, if everybody in the household is on the same diet, it just goes a whole lot better. Now, that's never been, happened in our household, but theoretically, you know, it would be better. <laughs> but but the, the point is, gather people in your inner circle who share your commitment, especially that's important with your faith. If you're struggling with your faith, check who you're allowing in your inner circle and ask God, God, would you please show me, lead me to some people who share my commitment to you so that they can encourage me and I can encourage them. And then fourth, be faithful where you are. Sometimes we feel like, well, I can't make a commitment right now because I'm not in a good place or I've got other things going on. <laughs> I remember at a, um, a, a, a school of training that I went to several years ago, the last session, the speaker stood up and he said, now I know what you preachers have been thinking. This whole week, you've been getting great ideas and good insights, and you have said to yourself, if I ever get to a good church, I'm going to do some of this stuff. And there's just nervous laughter all over the place. He said, nonsense, start now. You know, start where you are. And the time to begin is now. Don't put off making your commitment because you don't think you're in the situation you need to be in. Don't make excuses. Start now. And then, and it comes right back to where we started, do right regardless. Face your fears, face the fire, and do right every time. Courage is the conquest of fear, not the absence of fear. And you may be afraid. And your commitment may lead you into places where you're afraid. Face your fears and do right regardless. Because what you're doing now will determine your tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And if you're compromising your integrity now, Chances are there's more compromise in your future unless you stop the cycle. But ordinary people who make simple spiritual commitments under the Lordship of Christ can make an extraordinary impact on their world. God help us to develop the commitment that I'm going to obey you, period. I'm going to do right regardless of the cost. I'm going to face my fears. If it means I got to face the fire or face the lions, I'm going to face them with your help, but I'm going to do what I need to do. So a couple of things as we wrap up. What's the next small step you need to take? What's the next right thing you need to do in the area of your commitment to Christ? What's the next right thing to do. Not what should you do in 10 years, 
what can you do today to strengthen your commitment to God? What small thing can you do? Spend some extra time reading in the Word. Spend some extra time in prayer. Whatever it is, what's the next right thing for you to do? And then secondly, don't try to do it by yourself. Who can you be, bring into your life to be an encourager to you? And, and it can be, you know, a, a simple matter of just saying to somebody, would you please text me every day about one o'clock just to see how I'm doing? You know, that kind of accountability can make a difference in your commitment. I um, heard a leader of a Christian organization say that he had given his staff the right to any time they saw him to ask him, what did you read in the Bible this morning and what did God tell you? Wow. That'll keep you on your toes, won't it? What, how can you find help? Maybe you're in a situation where you're a relatively new believer and there's nobody else around you who shares your faith. Talk to somebody after church here this morning and say, do you mind, you know, a couple times a week or every day, or you set the standard for what you want, would you just give me a text or give me a call or drop me an email and just say you're thinking about me and wondering how I'm doing today? Or you could say, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to make a commitment to read the Bible every day. Would you text me about four o'clock every afternoon and, and see what I read today? You know, just, just something like that, that will help you. I mean, a lot of times you do it if, if you've got a, um, a trainer or a, a coach as you're working out, they check on you. Why in the world wouldn't we do that spiritually? Help me keep my commitment to God. And again, stay focused on God. Don't stay focused on the idol. Don't stay focused on what you're not going to do. Stay focused on God. Keep your eyes toward him and watch what happens. As you make those commitments to him one step at a time and watch him allow you to be a positive influence in your world. Father, help us in this area. Commitment's a whole lot easier to talk about than it is to live. And help us to examine, maybe we've made too many commitments and we need to cut some things off. Maybe we need to redo our commitments. But Lord, guide us to the commitment we need to make, the next step we should take in that commitment, and then help us, Lord, to build around ourselves a support system of fellow believers who will help us continue to live for you. Lord, may we make a difference in our world because you are in us. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for watching. You're dismissed.